Hello, everybody. This is Bill Cameron from The Drive. Podcasts of The Drive are presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, now hiring for great-paying skilled trade positions. Call 334-209-6355 to learn more. Thanks for listening. And the following is an Auburn Network production. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. It is the Thursday edition of The Drive. Hope everybody doing well here on the the day after a big, uh, very impressive win last night for the Auburn Tigers over at Neville Arena over Alabama, uh, a ball game that featured, it featured some runs early. Uh, Auburn jumped, let's see, I mean, after, after a uh, basically, well, it was a one-point game when I walked in. Uh, and that was just just after the under-16 timeout. Alabama had hit a three to go up 13-12. Auburn went on a run, got up 14, and we're up 32-18. to 18. Alabama came all the way back and uh, took a brief lead, and it was tied at 39 before Auburn closed it out 16-2 to two to end the first half. And really, never, uh, never really threatened. They got as close as 11 in the second half, never were able to pull the ball game within double digits. Uh, it was a game that, you know, you, you felt a couple of times in the second half, well, Alabama might be able to get back in it just because you know they are so dangerous shooting threes. But Auburn, way, way too much inside. Uh, I, I, I mean, Janai Broom, Jalen Williams with – uh, his career-high 26 points, Janai with 24. I thought Trey Donaldson was fantastic last night at the point running. He is, as I was, as we were talking yesterday, a physical point guard. And in a matchup against uh, Alabama when there are uh, 61 fouls called, <laughs> 85 free throws shot, you want a guy that that can handle that type of game. And Trey Donaldson... You can see, I mean, the athleticism there. He's now a full-time basketball player. He was one of the he was one of the top uh, football prospects uh, around when he was being recruited in both sports, and uh, and and Auburn wins it. I guess about the the only thing that the folks around me were like, oh man, we missed the missed the century mark by by a free throw here or there. But Auburn made forty of fifty on its way to, to a 99-81 win over Alabama last night. So uh, we will talk a lot about that today, and uh, we, we'll head in whatever direction you, our callers, would like. But uh, we have got uh, pretty close to a full room today as Coach Don Dunn back with me again with Dan uh, on his way now from Norfolk, Virginia, headed to Bowling Green for the Troy women's next ball game. Don, how you doing today? Good, Bill. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. And it's great to have back here in the studio uh, that traveling man, the guy, <laughs> uh, when he heading out to, uh, to, to Gainesville, Justin uh, Ferguson. Tomorrow. Yeah, yeah okay. tomorrow afternoon. 
Yeah, you're you're uh, you've made all the road games so far, right? Uh, Vandy was the only one because the roads were frozen and I couldn't oh, get, I okay. couldn't get to Nashville. But that was it. That's yeah. the only one I've, uh, I've missed so far. Well, I mean, it, it's well, it's it's been fun. Uh, there's no question. This is a fun, fun team yeah. to follow. And and last night, Ferg, I mean, it was it was what Auburn, uh, you know, needed to do. I mean, we you know, everybody had been talking about it. I mean, you you knew what Alabama uh, presents and. Auburn took advantage of their strengths, and it was too much for Alabama. It, it was, and, and, you know, this was such an interesting game because Auburn is one of those teams that I think can morph their um, style and their strategy to kind of fit whatever matchup. And in this matchup, Alabama brought Nick Pringle back, but he hadn't been playing recently, right. so they didn't go double big lineup. They went with a small ball look, and – Grant Nelson is a pretty good offensive player, just defensively just could not hang with Janai Broom. Obviously, Jalen Williams had a had a big advantage as well. And that was the biggest difference from the first game and the second game of the series. First game, Jalen did not do well. No. But when you have two guys score at the rate that Jalen and Janai can do when they're together, Alabama's a team that has really, really struggled with that. They struggled with Zach Eady. They struggled with the Creighton Bigs, the Arizona Bigs. They've struggled – um, throughout the year with good scoring front courts. The first matchup, Auburn had one of their guys going. Set, this matchup, they had both of them going. And, and like literally, it got into the point in the second half where it was like all they could do was just foul um, to, to slow them down because they were getting whatever they wanted, especially around the rim. And those guys also are good inside-out guys as well. Oh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, Alabama, uh, I, it's it's sort of scary to think if Charles Bediaco had stuck around. They, this they, roster was built for him to come back. It really was. Yeah, and they have not been able to recover from that. I don't think. I mean, and they're still an awesome team because they can they can shoot from anywhere. They, they are. They're extremely athletic and they they can really really shoot it. But but Auburn did a much better job of closing out on their their three point shooters. They hit a few early. Yep. But uh, I mean, after that, they they didn't have many uncontested looks at no. all. They, and they ran them off the line, and they were not afraid to funnel them to the basket. They trusted their guys to make plays one on one. You know, the first game. And then even early in this one, you had guys kind of leaving their assignments and and you know crashing a little too much, leaving kickout opportunities for threes. Guys stayed at home in this game, and another big part of what Jalen Williams and I bring bring to the table is the fact that they can guard guards, right? Um, you know, and 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 stick with them all the way to the basket, and that's that was big because Alabama. I, I saw something in the two matchups this year. Bama shot less than forty percent from two point range. Which is insane yeah. because uh, they're one of the best teams in the country, that, and they, they generally just, don't shoot many uh, many two point shots that aren't mm, right at the rim. Right at the rim, um, you know. Janai had five blocks again, yep. I think, last night. The rim protection has been phenomenal for this team, and and what they do on a consistent basis defensively, that's going to travel, and the offense is going to come and go. We saw some of that last night when mm-hmm. the shots weren't falling, but they were getting to the free throw line. This defense, though, when they are locked in. They're as scary as you're going to find anywhere in the country. Um, statistically, it's them in Houston pretty much leading every category in the country uh, on the defensive side of the, uh, of the floor. And it's crazy to think that this was a team that, at the start of the year, Bruce Pearl was very concerned about with his defense. Well, I, it, seemed, it seemed like a rightful concern. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you had so many guys coming in that you didn't know what kind of defense they were going to play. Guys that had been the leading scorers at other places. Mm-hmm. Denver Jones is a lockdown He's a great two. defender. Defender. He's a great defender. I mean, he really is. Who would have thought that, though? Mm-mm. Coming in as a guy that averaged 20 at Florida International. Yeah, he had to, like, I'm not going to say he took play, possessions off at FIU, but, like, it, it was not where his effort and energy was concerned because he had to take a ton of shots every game because he was all FIU had. Um, he's been great. I think 
Trey Donaldson has become a more mature defender. Katie Johnson is playing the best defense of his career in mm-hmm. terms of creating havoc, but also not getting beat yeah, uh, and, and not and not fouling as much. Not fouling as much, and I think Aiden Holloway deserves a ton of credit. You're talking about a kid who came in as a five star who could shoot the lights out, and he's had a season where he his shot hasn't fallen. I think he has gotten so much better as an all around basketball player, and even accepting a role back on the bench. Um, you know, only right now playing 16, 17, 18 minutes a game, which is still a lot. But his defense is really good for a guy that was not known for defense mm-hmm. at all coming out of high school. So you bring all that together, Chad Baker, Mazar, Chris, man, Chris Moore. I was going to say somebody game. that doesn't get talked about, and you look at the box and you see 0 for 1, but you do see five rebounds. Four on the offensive yeah. glass. I mean, there was that two or three minute stretch. Where I mean, he was everywhere. He was diving. Mm-hmm. He was. I mean, he was playing great defense. He was deflecting passes. He yep. was rebounding. I mean, the he, you just won't find anybody that plays harder no. than Chris. And last night, I mean, he was a huge factor there when Auburn went ahead and put the game away. Yeah, I mean, it, it, Nato said it after the game, like, "Hey, we were down by the exact same score at halftime that Auburn was mm-hmm. in Tuscaloosa." They came back and took the lead. We didn't do that at all. And well, I think they never cut cut it under double double digits. No, and I think part of that was the start they had with Chris Moore just being an energy guy and a hustle guy. And you know, uh, there's a uh, you know I've talked about it before on our podcast and stuff. And I've got I've given Chris the nickname the Junkyard Dog because that's just the way he plays. Like it's not mm-hmm. pretty, and he's not going to score a lot, but he makes a ton of hustle plays and he just fights out there. And that, and every good basketball team needs a guy like that. Um, and I think it also was a really good sign of this team's chemistry and their togetherness. I mean, Bruce told a story after the game of they let Chris run a little bit. Like He usually gets a quick hook in the beginning of the second half right. for Chad um, when they start doing the rotation. He played an extended amount of minutes because he was playing so well. And they look, and Chad was about to sub in, and Chad looked at looked at Ira and said, no, leave him in. He's playing too, too well. And, like, that tells you a lot about this team. That's, like, three or four times that that's happened this season, twice with Chad now. Um, you know, and you need those guys like that because these dudes are sacrificing, <laughs> in the case of Chris, his body. Oh, yeah. Uh, but also guys are sacrificing time. They're sacrificing shots just knowing that um, they've got they've got the potential to do something special. And, and now, you know, tied for the league lead with eight games to play. I mean, this is exactly the position you want to be in if you're Auburn. Oh, no, no doubt about it. So, uh, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer with us here on this Thursday edition of The Drive. We'd love for you to join in. You can do so by giving us a call on The Drive hotline, sponsored by Skybar. That number is 334-321-1390, or you can text us on The Drive text box, uh, which is brought to you by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, and that number Three three four five six four eighteen forty. Anything you want to talk about sports wise? I'm sure a lot of looking back at uh, last night's big win. As I mean, the the difficult month of February will continue for Auburn. I mean, now that now they head to a place where it's only been 27 years since they won down at uh, in Gainesville at the O'Connell Center. Yeah, it, it's crazy to think about how long it's been since Auburn has won in Gainesville, and this is a this is a Florida team. Just looking ahead, like this Florida team is a tough matchup. Um, they are number two in the country in offensive rebounds. They are, I think, I think they're ninth. There's ninth or tenth tallest team in America. Um, and you look at Auburn, what they've been able to do here recently: the Ole Miss game, the the Alabama game, some of their best wins of the year. Is they have used that front court and right. just pounded teams that didn't have, they couldn't compete. Florida's going to be a lot better at competing uh, with Auburn's front court. 
Uh, I think they've only lost once at home all year, and that was that overtime game against Kentucky. They've got great shooters. Yeah, Todd, they're nine and one at home. Todd Golden knows Bruce Pearl, <laughs> Bruce Pearl Absolutely. and Auburn inside and out. Like mm-hmm. it's going to be a really really tough matchup, and like it's one of those where you know any road game in the SEC is you, you just got to go get it by any means necessary. It's a it's a really tough game. I think if you look at the final eight games left in the season for Auburn. This is probably either second or third toughest they're going to play. They're going to play down the stretch, and these are all just coming right after one, right after another. Yeah, I mean, well, this ball game is very important for Florida. A win Huge. here yeah. would help them tremendously, you know, as far as the postseason's concerned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they have they've got they've got a lot to play for. Um, they're a really good team. That that middle of the pack in the SEC has got a lot. I saw a thing today that had I think it was eight. SEC teams getting into the tournament this year and it's like there's going to be some really good basketball teams that are not going to make it just because there's not enough room and so if you're a team like Florida you have Auburn who is a top 10 team in in every metric like like Mm -hmm. like the net coming into your place I mean this this is as big as you can get in 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 a home game and I think that was yeah you look at final eight games of the regular season projections wise it looks like if Auburn goes six and two they they have a good shot to at least share a championship stay perfect at home take two take two of these four on the road is the is the toughest challenge that Auburn has but you got Tennessee you got Georgia you got Florida and you got Missouri not in that order on the road you take two of them you're gonna be in a good spot if you stay perfect I'd say pretty much in that order Tennessee I mean as far as difficulty yeah Tennessee Florida Georgia I I am I am so stunned (laughs) that Missouri still has not won a SEC game like I I thought they were. I thought, I thought they were be okay. good this year. Yeah, yeah, I did too. I mean, they they were coming off that tournament run last year. They had a great offense. They were bad on defense last year. They're just as bad this year on defense, and their offense is nowhere near what they were. And I just it, it it's I'm, it's tied between them and Arkansas with me. Where just like how how like, disappointment. I mean, or? yeah, it's just I I can't I couldn't believe. But it goes to show you how crazy this league's been this year because you've got some. Teams that we thought would be further back oh, that's playing South, well, South Carolina. Carolina is the big one. And like I know they I, I think Georgia's better than, than yeah, a lot of people. Their thought. record their record isn't great and they've taken some tough losses, but they are they are a tough matchup for mm-hmm. everybody to play. And uh, yeah. So for Auburn, it's like, hey, congrats, you just beat Alabama at home. That's huge. All right, you gotta go to Florida now. And then you gotta go play South, South Carolina. Carolina, who looks to be the best road team um, uh, you know, in, in the one in, the in country. Rupp, one in uh one in Knoxville. Yeah, I mean they're 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 locked in. They are ready to go, and so. Um, but I mean, on the flip side, these are huge opportunities for Auburn. Mm-hmm. If you win these games, I mean, you could be setting yourself up to be in a great spot. Um, come NCAA tournament time, come SEC tournament time. There, the, I, I I will be stunned if anybody wins an outright title this year in this league. So for Auburn, it's just you know, hang hang in there. You got eight you got eight games left. Try to keep the pace, and um, it's going to be a fun finish. Oh, no no doubt about it. All right, we're just getting underway. Love for you to join in. 334-321-1390. Bill, Don, Justin, Drew back at the controls here on the Thursday Drive. This is Zach Alsterbrook with Alsterbrook. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Thursday afternoon. Bill, Coach Don Dunn, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer, and Drew at the controls here on this Thursday edition. Love for you to join in. Anything you want to talk about sports-wise. Obviously opening up talking about last night's big basketball win. Auburn over Alabama 99-81 to over at uh, Neville Arena in front of a, I mean, a as expected, a, a uh, packed, wild crowd. I thought, 
I thought uh, I didn't notice anything that uh, I wasn't down there courtside. But uh, I didn't notice anything that, that would have gotten Bruce, I think, terribly concerned. Nope. I thought it was a thought it was a great crowd, great crowd last night. Yeah, awesome crowd. I mean, it, it, it lived up to the hype. Um, I thought Auburn fans were in it from the very beginning and bringing the noise, and uh, it, it got really loud. And I'm telling you. I was almost a little hoarse after the ball game just from not so much yelling, but just but trying to talk talking to, somebody, to the people yeah. around me. Yeah, no, I, 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 I imagine so. Uh, and I'll tell you, we were talking about um, – there's a question in my mailbag that I've been working on that uh, that somebody said, like, what's the loudest you've ever heard Neville? And I think it's still, if you remember the Kentucky game two yeah. years ago, the run out and the mm-hmm. dunk from uh, Devin Cambridge that forced timeout. Uh, Bruce actually tweeted this today. Mark Sears getting locked down by Katie Johnson to end the first half, coming immediately after, after, the, after, after the, the windmill. windmill. Yeah, oh. that's up there. Cause, You're I mean, right. I, I thought – that was one of the best plays I've ever seen from KD, and he's just Mark Sears is so he crafty. He was so frustrated. Yeah. He was so and he hot and you when look time and you, run out. you look at the the replay. He head fakes about thirty times, yeah. and KD never falls for it. Um, and just to not even get a shot off was crazy. But you know, I I think that was the thing that that you know kind of hit me the most. I was like, oh wow, they're they're going to <laughs> they're 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 coming in with a ton of momentum uh, at halftime and. I mean, for KD, I just, you know, KD Johnson, I think he finished like 2 of 11 or something yeah. like that from the field last night, plus 25 and plus minus tied with Jani Broom. I mean, he just he, – he's he, he's playing really, really good basketball. Don't don't shot – you know, don't watch – I think him and Aiden are kind of the same way. Don't just look at the shot numbers. Look at what happens when they're on the floor. And for, and for KD, it's just great defense. I mean, Mark Sears is one of the toughest dudes in the country to guard, and he, you know, locked him down <laughs> in that final stretch and – I've never seen anything quite like that, and, and as Bruce said, it probably got as loud as he can remember it being in there, just on that play. Yeah, it, it was great. It was a, a great atmosphere, uh, and uh, just just a great performance by Auburn. They they continue. I mean, I don't know of a tougher place for a, for a road team to come in and play. I, I you know I can't think of one either, um, just because of the way things are set up. Um, you look at places like Tennessee, and you look at places like Kentucky, and. There's a huge place, but it's just so far yeah. back, you know? Like, I love Thompson Bowling Arena, and I'm looking forward to going there in a few weeks, but, like, it, it is an NBA arena mm-hmm. <laughs> that they play yeah. they play basketball out there. Um, and I think the only comparable place to what Auburn's got right now with Neville is Cameron at, at Duke because just everybody's right on top of you. Mm-hmm. And I think it was very telling. I don't know if y'all have talked about this, but Baylor opened their new arena in January. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if y'all have seen it. it it's basically Neville. They went small. They went – build everything right on top of you and and um i mean when a program a national championship caliber program like baylor's doing that i think it tells you just the advantages that people see of 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 what's going on here 334-321-1390 let's get to the drive hotline sponsored by skybar and john gets us started hey john hey good afternoon i was at the game last night and i've had season tickets for 10 or 11 years and at times last night was definitely in my opinion and recollection, the loudest I've ever heard it uh, on two or three occasions. Uh, I especially like the uh, Johnny or Janaya Brooms no look uh, pass to Jalen. Oh yeah! The, oh, wow! Yeah, <laughs> yeah they just a little flip over the shoulder. You know, probably what what it may have been, John, is that Auburn led and maintained their lead and continued to do so, so it stayed, it never really dropped down an awful lot. After after the Alabama run midway through the first half, it was all Auburn. 
And, I mean, Alabama would do a little bit, but then Auburn would counter with more and more. So that's what I was thinking. It just stayed constantly louder than I could recall many games. I felt uh, <clears throat> I was kind of uneasy because Alabama is so good at scoring so fast. So, But I felt comfortable with five minutes to go. I was like, taking this W back to Prattville. Yeah, I mean, that that was the thing when we talked about in the first segment. The fact that Auburn never really gave up a run in the second half from Alabama, and that is the one team that you have to be worried about because it only takes a few shots from them to be they cut right it from, back in it. From 20 to 11. Yeah, to 11. But that's, that's, the close, that's the closest they got. The defense was incredible in this game. I mean, to hold Alabama to less than 40% from the field, not very many teams are going to do that, period. And uh, the other thing that I think helped Auburn out a ton is even when their shots weren't falling – there in the second half. This is a great game for not turning the ball over. Only one turnover in the first half, only five for the game. One of the best games Auburn's ever had in that department. You don't give away easy you know, looks. Alabama, Alabama will take a steal, they'll fly down the floor, and they'll kick out and hit a three on it. Right. They will do that over and over and over again. And Auburn took care of the ball. Even when things were getting kind of grinded out and stop-start, they did what they needed to do. And and, and to your point, like, yeah, they, they it was a comfortable second half, and, and – you don't get very many of those against Alabama. You don't get very many opportunities to put in the walk-ons against Alabama. No, you're right, and that's that's got to be that's got to be a great feeling for Auburn. No, I thought there was a tremendous amount of uh, free throws Auburn took. Was that a ridiculous amount? Was that the uh, is that a record by chance? That w- free throws. Uh, so I don't think the attempts no, were I, a record, but the may the right. makes were a record. Forty is a record, and the and the old uh, record was in like nineteen fifty seven or nineteen fifty six yeah. or something like that. So it, it had been a very long time since Auburn's made that many free throws in a game. All right. Well, like I said, I had a great time and. Uh, Enjoyed the game. Appreciate y'all's time. Thank you. Absolutely, John. Thanks for the call. Yeah, Auburn going 40 for 50, 85 free throws in the ball game. But but keep in mind, Alabama was in the double bonus. Alabama was in the was in the bonus. They were in the bonus with three. 14, yeah. With with right at 14 minutes to yep. go. Or was that the double bonus? I mean, they were they, they were in the double bonus with like 13 minutes left. Yeah, okay. Yeah. They were in double bonus with 13 plus. They were they had shot more free throws mm-hmm. than Auburn had when we got to the under twelve timeout. So I mean, for the people, and I've seen a couple of posts from, oh well, you know, if Auburn doesn't Auburn doesn't get to shoot fifty free throws, it's a different game. Well, if Auburn doesn't get to shoot fifty free throws, there probably would have been some people in the hospital. Yeah, um, because I mean, Don, that that that, that yeah. was that was more physical than some football games yeah, I've seen the I last tell couple you, I of was, years. I was shocked at how physical we were. And uh, they couldn't stop the guys, and, and 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 you know when they do the little pat down like too short, I get a kick out of that. I don't even know what they're doing, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that was a dominating inside game. And and you're right, they had to call it. Someone would have got killed. Yeah, it was, uh, and, and they didn't call everything. I mean, there no. there was a lot of there was a lot of <laughs> no. contact where there nope. wasn't a foul call. And they came into the game talking about how physical it was going to be. Yep. Um, you know, uh, Jalen Williams on Tuesday was saying, like, we got to hit them. Like, we don't want to hurt anybody, but we got to hit them early, and we got to set the tone. I think Auburn did that in this game. Uh, you speaking, speaking of free throws, I just looked this up. Um, Auburn is 76%, uh, 76.6% from the free throw line this year. That's on pace to be the best season Auburn's had at the free throw line by a long shot. 
uh, since the first uh, NCAA tournament team under Bruce, that first yeah, I was SEC thinking title that, group. That I, I knew this is one of the better free-throw shooting teams Auburn's yeah. had in a while. And Janai Broom should get a ton of credit. He started off the year really struggling. And and, he's, and and his entire career, he has just not been a good free-throw shooter. Um, he went 1-6 of six or 1-7 of seven from the line in that App State loss, which uh-huh. stood out to a lot of people. Since then, he's been about a 75% free-throw shooter, which for a big man who takes as much contact as he does is really, really impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, you've got you've got several guys on this team. When they go to the line, it's almost automatic. And Chad's one of them. Yeah, Chad. Chad shocked me last night. Yeah. He missed a couple of free. He throws. missed a couple, and you're just like, whoa, how did yeah. that happen? Yeah, uh, Denver has been has been pretty pretty automatic this year. And then, yeah, I mean, Janai's gotten that improvement. We talked a lot earlier in the year about Dylan Carwell's improvement from the free throw line. Well, Janai's done the exact same thing as well. Uh, you, it's, you, it's impressive. You, you, need, you need your center and your point guards to be able to make mm-hmm. free throws, and yep. Auburn Auburn's guys do. Yeah, they they do, and and I mean, it's just this is a team that is really really hard to uh, hard to beat and hard to hard to scheme against. Um, you know, they are uh, for those of you who are into like analytics uh, on Kempom, uh, Auburn is the only team in the country with a top ten offense and a top ten defense. The only one. The balance this team has is pretty remarkable, mm-hmm. and I think defense is what's going to carry you. But this offense, when they get clicking, it, it gets in hurry like. To think about in the second half of the Ole Miss game and the first half of the Alabama game, put them together. That's 111 points, points. Yeah. against in quad one games. Like these weren't these weren't pushovers you were playing against either. Um, when they get rolling, it just it just becomes crazy to watch. And Janai and Jalen are both. I mean, I I wrote about it today. Like if you looked at all SEC right now, and if you wanted to put like a five man group together. You can make an argument that both of the four, both of the big men, should be from Auburn. If I mean, I I know that uh, Connect is is you know going to get a lot of yeah. of consideration because I mean what he's been doing, yeah. averaging nearly thirty a game here recently. But I can't imagine and he's not even leading the league and scoring. That's still serious. <laughs> That's still serious. Yeah, but I can't imagine anybody who's more valuable to their team, and 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 especially. Not playing, not having to play thirty plus minutes a game, yeah. doing what Janai is doing. Yeah, I mean, he, national player of the year uh, rankings on Kempom. He's number two behind Zach Eady. Um, mm-hmm. He leads Eady in a couple of stat right. categories as well. It's it's crazy to think about because Zach Eady. If you have not watched Zach Eady play at Purdue in the last few years, it is like it's on. It's unfair. He's he's just too big. Like yeah, for everybody to compete with, and so for Janai to be at that level is crazy. But yeah, you look at the the best players in this league. You got. Um, you got Cooper from South Carolina, who's had a great run. Reed Shepard's had a, had a phenomenal year at Kentucky. Sears can connect. Backcourt is pretty. Front court, I mean, Auburn's got the two best front court players in the league. Period. Like you know, and and there's there there aren't there aren't anybody any clo- anywhere close to them either. Hey, Bruce said it the other day. I mean, and 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 everybody knows it. I mean, it's obvious. Jalen plays well. Auburn plays well. Auburn wins when yeah. Jalen plays well. And there were a lot of people going, eh, well, uh, okay, he's coming back. Uh, and 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 I think he's, you know, he's surprised some people. Maybe people didn't realize what. Uh, you know what what Jalen could do. He's just doing it on a more consistent basis. He's become, you know, much more assertive. I wouldn't say necessarily aggressive, just assertive. You know, it's before he'd been more passive. Yeah, and and to to that point, um, I wrote about this the other day, and then saw it after the game because it, it went up after the game. But in wins this season, uh, Jalen Williams is averaging 15 points a game around there. Uh, in losses, it's seven. Uh-huh. And here's the other funny funny stat: is when Auburn, when Jalen Williams has hit a three pointer this year, Auburn has not lost. 
Wow. <laughs> so the only losses Auburn has this year is when he when he's gone over from deep. So when he hit that one in the corner, I was like, oh, well, yeah. Auburn's in a pretty good spot now. That's, that's it just shows you the signal. value because again, having a guy like Jani Broom is awesome because he can he he can get he can get to his spots. He can do a lot of things. He's such a great center. But when you compare him with somebody who's just as good at scoring around the rim, is just as good as playmaking, is and can go inside out. I mean, you know, Bruce said it after the game. In the NBA, the inside game, the front court has been diminished greatly. Yeah, not in absolutely. college basketball. And I think, as we saw with Alabama last night, there are a lot of these teams that have been built to play this small ball, running, running gun type of style. And Auburn's even done that over the last few years. But when they run into a team with two awesome big men, there's not very many of them, and it's just really, really hard to compete with. And at that point, your your guards don't have to be superhuman, which I think is really good for all the newcomers Auburn has on this team. They don't have to be superhuman. They just have to just do their job, and we, we've seen that over and over again. But, again, biggest difference from the first Bama game to the second Bama game was Jalen Williams. Jalen Williams got rolling, and he got yep. rolling early. Oh, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, he had, uh, you know, nine early, 17 at the half. He had 17 at the half. Yeah. He's just, you know, he needs. And, a lot, and, and it's funny. Folks around me were like, he's got 17. Yeah. Because except for the windmill, I mean, a lot of it, he just does it, and you don't realize, man, he's oh, piling up the points. Those little those little push shots, yeah. those little baby hooks, like he, he's just got it. He's got a really good, and then, yeah, every now and then he'll just pull out like, oh, wait, I'm one of the most athletic dudes out here. And that windmill – uh, I was asked what are the best dunks of the Pearl era, and it's gonna be right. It's gonna rank right up there because he he did that in he did that in the Brooklyn get one of the Brooklyn games. He did the windmill. He did the windmill on the breakaway, and it was really cool. But we were in like a half empty NBA arena, and it was just the reaction was kind of muted uh, because of it. Last night, it was like he was going to bring the entire place to to the ground, uh, and I mean it was. It, the fact that he can pull that off is pretty crazy. And to your point uh, from earlier, Bill, I remember two years ago, Auburn loses to Miami in the NCAA tournament. And Bruce Pearl says, we're going to build this thing around Jalen Williams. And I had yeah. a lot of people be like, Oh, a ton what? of folks were like, what is he talking about? And last year he had a good year, but it's this year – Jalen's team. Yeah, yeah, this year it's just really taken off, especially with him and Janiak being back. Like just – you think about the amount of experiences, you know, just in that front court. It's mm-hmm. it's hard for a lot of teams to play to play against that. Oh, you're you're not kidding, and it's going to be difficult to replace too. But hey, let's enjoy the ride while we're on it. We're a little behind. Need to get to our bottom of the hour break. Jeff, Mark, hang on, guys. You're up when we come back here on the Thursday Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 106.7 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Thursday Drive. Let's get right to the uh, Drive hotline, sponsored by Skybar, and Jeff is up first. Hey, Jeff, thanks for hanging on. Hey, guys. Good afternoon. Yeah, man. Uh, with respect to the game last night, what a wild environment. I <laughs> didn't catch most of the game. I was actually working. Oh, but, man. Uh, when I had a chance to check the score during the break of mine, it was toward the end. And it's one of the rare times I could keep my mind on my work instead of the game. And I saw <laughs> we were up 16 with about three minutes. And, oh, my God, if you look at – and I watched the replay today. Uh, Jimmy Dykes is very high on this team, and he's indicated if Auburn plays through Broom and Williams, they're going to be a load to deal with. And I, I and 
I believe Pearl, if you keep Janai active early in the game, you can see how uh, invested he was in that offense early in the game. I, I believe that's the way to go for this team. You have to involve him early in the first half. And if we do that, I, I think this Auburn team is going to be very tough to deal with for the rest of the year. Yeah, and it all goes back to the inside-out game. And Bruce has talked about that the last last couple of weeks, is that when you get Jalen Williams and Janai Broom, especially Janai, rolling early, teams are going to have to start doubling. They're going to have to they're going to have to start doing something. Yeah. Were and, you surprised that they didn't? And Bama last didn't. night, and Alabama o- did not for the entire game. Yeah, and Oates said he didn't want Auburn to get open threes, well, which I get. But so if I'm to, having to pick my poison with this Auburn team, I'm gonna let him. I'm gonna let him take jumpers over he's, having. He's thinking Janai, too much about his own team. Yeah, to, I mean, to have you Janai don't want Alabama that. to get but, open three. But you're right. I mean, this is this was a game for Auburn where you saw the benefit of just being able to play inside out. And you know, if you're a team yeah. like if you're a team like Alabama, if you're a team like Alabama who just can't hang, you know, just keep hammering it over and over and over again. We saw that in the Ole Miss game as well. But you know, this is the, like I said in the last segment, like. Not very many teams in college basketball have two great scores down low, and uh, I mean that's just it's just hard to match up with. That's not the way modern college basketball has gone, and I think Auburn is kind of zigging where there are other people zagging. That's going to make them a tough matchup for anybody they come across. Oh yeah, I agree. And uh, for all of Alabama's greatness, for whatever you look at as greatness, their two best teams that they played in the conference, they've gone on the road. And they've gotten the doors blown off yep. them. Uh, yep. Oaks, to me, is not a very good tactician. He's got, uh, meaning, he, yeah, he's got he's, a he's system. He's very arrogant as a coach. Yeah, he's going to stick. There's no in-game transition for him. Right. Yeah, that's that. I believe you're a, right there. He'll, he he's he's going to stick guy. with what got yeah. him there, and if it doesn't work, they're going down in flames. Yep. I agree, and, and they're very soft on the interior. So if any team with any potential size inside, Alabama's in trouble. And I don't feel sorry for him, but I'm just looking at it from a pure basketball <laughs> standpoint. Well, I'd so, be disappointed uh, if an Auburn uh, fan felt sorry for Alabama for anything, Jeff. <laughs> uh, I was reading a lot of the social media, and I'll tell you, this is why, as an Auburn fan, we should always want to beat Alabama, and no matter what sport it is, because they're very sore losers. <laughs> uh, you're right about that. Yeah, they was... do not handle losing nope. very well, so... I, I and I'll say this, and I'll hang up. That game is easily a twenty-five-point game. That game toward the end, it wasn't even that close. Well, Auburn was up twenty-three when they subbed. Remember? So I mean, oh yeah, they they could have put hung a thirty spot on them had they wanted. To. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So uh, War Eagle and a huge game uh, coming Saturday right. down at the O'Connell. Ooh. If we can break that streak down at that place. That is almost like going down to LSU in football. That that's been a hellhole for us. Well, you're absolutely right, and and uh, you know, uh, and Justin was talking about it just a little while ago. I mean, this is that different kind of matchup. Uh, back in the preseason, concerns were about defense. I was concerned when Auburn played a big physical front court. Yeah. Auburn's as big and physical as most teams. Yeah, Florida's bigger. Yeah, no, they're 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 as big as they get in this conference, and they they rebound the heck out of the ball. They are very mm-hmm. similar to Texas A and M, and I just think they have a more consistent, which is another weird thing I didn't think coming into the season. They have a more consistent backcourt than A and M does. You think about A and M coming into the year, Ty, Tyree Trafford and Wade Taylor both coming back. You thought, hey, they're going to be locked in. 
Florida has got some shooters, and uh, they've got a guy. Oh, yeah. They've got they've got some bigs that Auburn was looking at in the portal. Um, if oh, yeah. Janai was was not coming back, but it, it's kind of funny though. You remember remember Janai was down between Auburn and Florida. He picked Auburn, yep. and now he yeah. gets a he gets a he gets a chance to go down there on the road and see if he can go two and zero against against the Gators. Yeah, yes, yeah, true. But wow, this SEC is unbelievable. Never a break. No, All you're right, right, guys. Well, thank you. Good call, uh, Jeff. We look forward to Saturday. All thank right, good, you. good hearing from you. I, I'll tell you to, to Jeff's last point there. I mean, when Missouri is the worst team in the conference, yeah. and that was a team that went to the NCAA tournament last year, you're like, man, this. There are no breaks. There are no breaks well, at all. The, the third worst team in the league is Arkansas. It and yeah, yeah, and, and they've got talent. And right? Vanderbilt can scare you. Like yeah. they're not going to beat you, but Vandy's going Vandy's mm-hmm. going to scare you for 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 long stretches. And I think. And you talk about the Florida about going down to Florida. It's tough and it's 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 a rough spot. But I will I will tell you, this team won at Arkansas, won at Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. So and I know those teams haven't been great this year and Florida's a better team, but this team has been the team to kind of go out there on the road and, and try to try to, you know, exercise some demons a little bit and maybe they could do that Saturday against Florida. Back to the uh, drive hotline and Mark is up next. Hey Mark. Hey guys, how you doing? Hey Justin, uh, yes sir. Just to add on one thing about you were talking about Jalen and uh, Janai going in through them. Mm-hmm. I think one thing that impresses me the most is uh, well, two things actually. Number one, when you pass it in to them, if their shot is not there, they look they can find the open man. They yeah. can dish it back out. They're both very good passers for big guys. Very good. Yeah. No. Absolutely. But, uh, he, and then the other thing is when uh, KD and uh, Aiden and uh, Donaldson, when they drive the ball in, if you'll notice, Jalen and uh, Janai are good at walling off mm-hmm. to give them that lane to come in. Yeah. No, they. I think, I think Jimmy said something about that last night, about uh, setting the wall for them on one of the drives. Yeah, those seal those seal plays have been really good. I thought Janai did that a ton against Ole Miss. Um, he did it again last night as well. And it's yeah, you just got to be got to be physical and create those lanes for your teammates. And the other the other positive thing about sealing off is that hey, you get to the rim and your teammate misses it, you're in a great position to get the to get the board again. And I and I would say those guys yeah, those guys do a really good job of that. Uh, and I and I'll throw in I'll throw in Chris Moore did a ton of that. How about this? Chad Baker Mazar has become one of the best defensive rebounders in the league, and this is a skinny, skinny small well, he, forward. He's a guy. He's a guy that doesn't start, and you know, still only playing as as everybody else is somewhere between eighteen and twenty four minutes a game. And he's, I, I just about feel like you're going to get a dozen points and six rebounds every game out of him. Yeah. Well, the other thing I was going to mention is it ties into Chad Baker, and I think he got in. You know, I think it was him and Nelson that started going oh, yeah. at each other uh-huh. last night, and Janai went over and started pulling him back. And I've seen uh, Mazzara do the same thing. So they're very good at, uh, I guess, policing each other. They've yeah. got the leadership, and it's not one person that's doing it. They've got several leaders on that floor. I'll tell you. I mean, we've we've heard it from Dylan Carwell. We've heard it from other players about how close this team is. And I mean, I, I'm at I'm at pretty much every practice. I've covered pretty much every game. And I'll tell you, I've been I've covered the entire Bruce Pearl era. This is the closest closest knit team I've ever seen them have. And he and they've had some really really good ones. These dudes just get along really really well with one another, lift, pick each other up. Um, and you know, I, I just I 
I, I think that just gonna, is going to go a long way because they're going to they're gonna play some, some really tough games here down the stretch, and the postseason is going to be a different animal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they do a really good job of helping each other out, and I think that's I think that shows on the floor with the way they pass, they help each other out, they create for one another, they do the dirty work to let any let other people get the shine, and that's what makes them such a such a balanced team. Yep. All right. Have a great day. Appreciate the call, Mark. We'll get to our final break of hour number one. Speaking of Dylan Cardwell, don't forget it's Thursday, and we will talk. To Dylan at the bottom of hour number two, our regular weekly Tiger Takes. Stick with us. Hey, come on in and join us. 334-321-1390 as we continue here with the Thursday Drive. Robert Pickman and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive. Final few minutes of hour number one here on this Thursday. Bill, Coach Don Dunn, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer, um, Justin, obviously, uh, tons of info on the win last night and then Auburn getting ready for Florida on Saturday. But that's not all. Tell tell folks what all you got going at the Observer Yeah, and how we, they can get it. Yeah, we've got a, got a big day tomorrow, a big mailbag, ton of basketball, a little football in there as well. Um, you can check that out. We're going to have a podcast as well. Uh, it'll be me and Dan and uh, Adam Cole of the OA News is going to join us. We're going to talk. Auburn basketball, we'll get into a little football, and we're going to talk. We don't cover baseball full time on there, but Adam does, and mm-hmm. so we're going we're going to do a little early, kind of a mini look ahead to Auburn yeah, baseball season it's coming a up. A week from tomorrow, is yeah, the opener. It's a great time to do that, so you can jump on that. Subscribers will get that podcast tomorrow morning. Um, yeah, this week we've had a ton of stuff. I wrote a column earlier this week, and it's free for everybody to read and check it out. And 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 I guess I can get on my soapbox here. The the fact that we had two Auburn Alabama basketball games this year, and neither of them were on Saturdays, is uh-huh. terrible. Like I understand why networks are thinking. Oh yeah, you know you you've got a bigger audience weeknights than you do on weekends. But man, you talk about how great. I mean, and it was great last night, and it was great in Tuscaloosa as well. But like a whole weekend just geared towards that rivalry, I think would be really really fun. Oh, I, I would love it. I, I talked I talked about it a little the other day though. I also think the the SEC looks at it as, hey, we're not guaranteed sellouts all the time. It's a better chance to sell some tickets on the weekend because you're going to sell out the rivalries midweek. But I, sure. I'm with you. It, it'd be a whole lot more yeah. fun, I think, if you had it being the weekend thing. And I look, and I, and I wrote about this, I look at, you know, Duke Carolina's always on a Saturday. They always put that game on a Saturday. Um Recently, I think it's the last four or five years, Kentucky, Tennessee has always been on Saturdays as well. And I was like, let's let's get Auburn and Alabama closer because I think well, if you it's talk not about, like these two aren't winning the league or anything. I mean, I mean, these are these. You can make the argument that right now, with the way they're playing, Auburn Alabama is a top five rivalry in college basketball. I think it is. Um, you know, in, in terms of what this means and 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 just the passion that's in the, in that mm-hmm. game. Um, and then also this week, if you check it out, it's it's a little dated now because they played an entire other game. But I did a I did a film room on Monday on Jani Broom's game against Ole Miss, and there's some stuff in there where you watch just kind of how he moved and and how Auburn called plays for him. That, that's really really cool to watch. I the the corner three assists that he had to Denver where yeah. uh, behind his head basically and threw it over. That's one of the best passes I've ever seen. And the fact that Jani Broom. His first two years of his college career, he was a back-to-the-basket big man at a mid-major level. 
right now he looks like he looks like an NBA type of center. I think he's probably I think he's played his way into second round consideration for sure. But I mean, like the 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 development that Auburn Bigman. We've talked a ton about Bruce Pearl guards over the years, right? You look at what he's done with Janai Broom and J- him and his staff have done with Janai Broom and Jalen Williams, what they did with Walker Kessler, what they did with Jabari Smith. Like Auburn is becoming a place where big men want to come play, and that is that's going to be pretty pretty significant. And you talked about it earlier. We'll see how Auburn replaces these guys next year. We'll cross they, that bridge they, when they, they get there. A, they had a pretty good big guy in last night. Yes, they did, and they have a and and, and I think if any big name, if any skilled big man comes into the portal this offseason, they got to look at Auburn and think, okay, look at what they did with Janai Broom. Look at what they did with Walker Kessler. Look at what they did with with you know all these guys and and why you know I could I could end up being that next guy. So it, it's a really really good spot for them to be in. But yeah, AuburnObserver.com. Sign up there, uh, and we email everything out to you, and it'll be a pretty busy uh, weekend because I'm heading down to Gainesville. Oh, I'm sure. Great stuff from uh, from from Justin always. Uh, we're, we're just about to the end of our number, and we'll talk a little football, get Justin's thoughts on the <clears throat> the announcement. Uh, well, I guess it hasn't officially even been announced, but the, uh, the, the hire, yeah. the promotion of Vontrell King-Williams as uh, defensive line coach filling out Hugh Freeze's staff. Talk. We'll talk about that. Um, pretty good payday announced by the SEC today. Whew. The largest ever. It, it just doesn't seem to go down. Over fifty-one million dollars per SEC school <laughs> doled out by the conference today, and that uh, that word coming from the SEC yeah. office and Commissioner Greg Sankey. Think about what happens when they start running the whole thing. When the SEC and the Big Ten yeah. run the whole thing like they're trying to do. <laughs> I ain't uh, no like telling how like much they're money. going to do. They are going to do it. Yeah, I don't know how much I've talked about that, but I got somebody asked me a question about that in radio this week, and I'm like, look, they're clearly they know they know the NCAA is going down. They can see it, and it's just like whenever that happens, we want to be the ones at the at the front of the line and, and making decisions. And I, I don't blame them. I mean, that's yeah. that's where that's where this this whole thing's going. I, I don't see any way that they won't be. Uh-uh. All right, we're halfway done here on the uh, Thursday drive. Don't forget. Dylan Cardwell joins us at around 5.30. We'll get his take on last night and the rest of the regular season in basketball. I'd love to hear from you, though. We're wide open until the bottom of the hour, 334-321-1390, as we continue with the Thursday Drive. It's the Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome to hour number two of the Thursday Drive. Hope everybody doing well on this another nice, nice day. Started off a little cloudy, turned out pretty, uh, pretty pleasant today. Hope everybody again is is doing well. Uh, it is the second hour of the show, and that means it's brought to you by the good folks at the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care, with locations in Auburn and Opelika on the web at orthoclinic.com. Got a Pretty full studio today, Bill. Don Dunn once again, once again, uh, filling in. Uh, we told Dan, you know, he could be Wally Pipped if he doesn't uh, doesn't, <laughs> doesn't watch out. I mean, but no, Dan is Dan is traveling with the uh, Troy women's basketball team, doing their play by play. He was in Louisiana and Mississippi last week. He is in uh, well, he was in Virginia. Now he's headed to a uh, Bowling Green um, before he comes back into the studio on Monday. So. 
uh, Don, gracious enough to uh, uh, be back again today. And we're also joined by our regular Thursday co-host slash guest, but more co-host than, than anything else, not Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer. So uh, we're here for hour number two. Talked a good bit, as you would expect, about Auburn's big win, 99-81 over Alabama last night over at Neville Arena. We'll get to some other things this hour. Hey, you can sort of guide us because your calls come first on the uh, Drive Hotline, sponsored by Skybar, that number 334-321-1390. And let's get to it. And Barbara is up first. Hey, Barbara. Hey, Bill. Hi, Coach Don. Hi, Justin. Hey. I wanted to say I most definitely – how are you all? Doing well. Um, I just wanted to say I most definitely agree with Justin. We need and want big men in the future. That's extremely important for the basketball team. That being said, do you remember last night, one of the play callers, one of the ESPN fellows said during the course of the game, you don't have to be big to play big. Mm. Do you remember him saying that? I, I didn't hear, but I think I think that's a good yeah, uh, that's that's very good that's point. A very, very good point. I think Auburn's got a few guys on this team who definitely do that, especially they're two yeah. small forwards. Yeah, I think he was referring to them. So I kind of remembered that quote because it gives us a lot of hope for Saturday, too, you know, because those guys are so good. Yeah. We're very fortunate to have them. Uh, also wanted to comment uh, in regard to Janai. What composure and leadership he has. Mm-hmm. Those two together are such admirable mm-hmm. traits. Yeah. And the last thing I want to say is about Dylan Cardwell. I am a senior citizen. I had the pleasure of meeting him at the corner of Toomer's Corner one day, just an afternoon day uh, out of season. Uh I tapped him on the shoulder. I said, are you Dylan Cardwell? He says, yes, I am. And my son, who was with me, said, do you mind if we take a picture? He was such a gentleman, and he is such a great baseball, uh, such a good basketball player. I'm so proud of him. And uh, that's all my comments for today. Great stuff, Barbara. Good yeah. hearing from you. Yeah, I mean, Dylan. Dylan's great. He's a great guy. He's just awesome. Getting yeah, I mean, I think Janai, you know, Barbara's point. Janai's leadership, I think, has been a really. Uh, it's the thing that you've seen, like him taking. Like, he is comfortable in this role mm-hmm. and, and being the guy that everybody's going to. And I think, I think Jalen said it best the other day. He said, you know, you look at, you look at a scouting any anybody scouting report on Auburn is going to say Janai Broom at the top. You got to slow that guy down. You got we're going to do everything to defend him, and he gets that every single night. And he gets bumped. And he still and he gets, gets he out there, and he's giving you fifteen, and you know he's just about a double double yeah. machine playing no more than twenty five minutes a game. And to you know talking about playing big, um, I think last night five or six players for Auburn finished with at least five rebounds, including Trey Donaldson. Trey Donaldson has has become a guy that I almost expect five rebounds a game from it from the point guard. Yeah. Wendell had a little bit of this to him when he was here. It was it's very much a kind of like, hey, the big guys are all banging and scraping around down there. I can go in and scoop some of these up, mm-hmm. and 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 he and he's in attack mode as soon as he gets the ball. The way and he, and Auburn might not push it all the way to the rim, but he is constantly looking ahead, pushing ahead, wanting to get that fast break, trying to see if he can get any any lane going. And so when he starts that on his own as a defensive rebounder, it, it means so much and. Again, I, 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 go, I keep going back. Chad Baker-Mazzara, he's become one of the better rebounders Auburn's had in SEC play this year. This is a dude that when he got to Auburn, it was like this guy might be a little too skinny to, to hang in yeah, this league. I, and, I he is, and he's – and even Bruce said that. Like Bruce said, like, we got to put some more weight on this dude. And he's gained some weight and some muscle, but he's still a 
pretty skinny dude that bro, but he shows a lot of fight. He's that tough. His, he's, his length, he's quick. And I'll just say this: I'm not, I'm not wanting to pick on a kid. I don't want to pick on a kid, uh, especially one uh, on a team, uh, you know, on a rival uh, of the team I cover. But I don't, I don't really know what Grant Nelson yeah, was thinking. Grant Nelson <laughs> didn't did. I don't think he wanted. I don't think he really. He told wanted him to come on, CBM. and I was, and I was yeah. like, I don't think you want that, those no. problems, young man. Like I'm sure life was tough for you in North Dakota, but. Uh, Chad Baker Mazar is a he, he can tell. Do do you know the Chad Baker Mazar who Chad Baker Mazar is related to? Have we talked about this? Uh, we haven't talked about yeah. it. No more Mazar. No more. Yeah. And I was I haven't talked to Chad about well, that's that. Well, it's a yet. very it's a very you know it's not a very common name. No, exactly. And uh, I made that discovery. I think Jeff Shearer wrote about it. Uh, like when Chad first got here, and I just happened to come across it, and I was like. You know, and Henry Patton, who covers basketball for Rivals, um, is a big Texas Rangers fan, uh-huh. and so we're we're going to talk to Chad one day about about his cousin, and and it was funny the story that uh, Jeff Shearer wrote. He was at the team site. He was like, uh, Chad was like, yeah, when you're when you grow up in the Dominican Republic, they hand you a bat when you're a baby and say yeah, this is what you're doing. Right. And he's like, I didn't like it as much. He's like, I'm gonna go try to play in the NBA because he's like. My family's got plenty of baseball players. I want to be the basketball player in my family, and so it's a really, really cool story. But yeah, Chad, yeah, you know, Chad being related to Nomar Mazar, which I don't know, Nomar didn't have like a crazy long career in the majors, but I always remember him hitting that 500 foot homer in, in mm-hmm. Texas. So uh, it's a really good, good, good athletic genes in that family for well, sure. And and, and and to a couple of the things that uh, Barbara was talking about. I mean, this is a mature team. Mm-hmm. We talked about it a while ago. I mean, but. But, I mean, you, you look at the guys who have been playing college basketball for multiple years, and Auburn's got Auburn's got more than a lot of teams. And that, I think, um, that helps. But it, it has been – you talked about the chemistry a while ago. That's been the, the most pleasant surprise is that guys coming in from, from different backgrounds and who were the guy on yeah. their teams coming in and fitting in so well. But – but uh, Bruce talked about it the other day when he was talking about recruiting. I don't even think he was asked that question, mm-hmm. but but he sort of talked about when he when he's recruiting players, he's he was saying, uh, "Hey, you're gonna want it. You're gonna want to get to know Janai and Dylan, and I mean all the guys that are here." Yep. And then he's telling the guys that are here, "Hey, you're you're gonna want to get to know these guys." I mean, it's recruiting, a recruiting character mm-hmm. and, and having them fit in the culture is yeah. an absolute must. Yeah, you could have gone star chasing in the portal. You could have gone star chasing in high school recruiting. And, and Auburn, you know, Auburn missed out on some guys they wanted. Yeah, There's and, no and, doubt about and it. they weren't, you know, Auburn wasn't ranked as one of the, the big winners in the transfer portal. But I don't know that you could have found guys that fit better into what Auburn is yep. doing right now than the than the players they, they have. They recruited for for fit and they recruited for culture, and that means a ton, especially in basketball, where you only have so many slots on your on your team. Well, and, and nobody plays as many players as Auburn does. Sure, and it, it is a guy looking at a guy like Cheney Johnson and saying, "Hey, we see something in you." And I know Cheney hasn't had a phenomenal first year in terms of his stats, see, but he plays he plays some, so well. I see some things there mm-hmm. that I think. We're going to see at some point. Maybe, maybe, him, maybe not this year. Watch but, him next year. Yeah, I, I, I think that I think the light could really come he's, off. He him. is. He's got a little. He's got a little more athleticism than I think a lot of people may realize. Oh yeah, he's a, he's a, he's an incredible athlete. Um, and then Chad, I think Chad Chad was recruited by several SEC schools. Kentucky wanted mm-hmm. him. A uh, and M, I know, really wanted him. I think Ole Miss made a run at him too. Um, this is a guy that you know there are a lot of there are a lot of coaches in college basketball that look at somebody who you know 
played at seven different schools in the last seven years and say, "No, we don't, we don't want that." Like we don't, we're, we're, you there know, must be a problem. There, yeah, get a red, get red flags, and and I think Chad, you know, I think I don't know if there you could have gotten a better player for what Auburn needed this year at that small four mm-hmm. period. And then you look at his numbers. I saw it today. Um, one of the one of the analytics guys I follow had the top twenty players in college basketball in terms of like individual impact. Chad Baker Mazar was in the top twenty. This is a guy who comes off the bench, right? And you look at, you look at all the others on that list, and they're the household names in college basketball. And Chad's right there with you know Janai's pretty high up there too. But I mean, that's it takes a lot for a kid to be able to accept all that, and and he did, and he's he's he is a great fit for what this team needed. 334-321-1390. That's the Drive Hotline, sponsored by Skybar. And Terry is up next. Hey, Terry. Hey, good afternoon, Bill. Justin, Coach Dunn, how y'all doing today? Doing well, Terry. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Hey, Justin, how many fouls did Janiah Broom have last night? Uh, that is a great question. One, I, I believe. believe it was just one. No, okay. he had zero. Zero. He had zero. Okay, zero I remember fouls. he had zero, and I thought maybe he got one called. No, yep. yeah, that's... Zero fouls. In a game 60, with... 61 <laughs> fouls called in the game. That's and, and it wasn't, had none. And it wasn't because he wasn't playing hard defense. He had five blocks and two steals. Like, he, like he, was, he it was... It was crazy. Bill, did you hear uh, uh, Kevin Skarbinski on Doug's show today? What he... That Doug Shows was going to officially change his name to Doug Shows. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't hear that. I, I caught bits and pieces. I didn't hear that. Yeah, he said he was going to because apparently he wants to likes a lot of camera time. Well, uh, you know what though, Terry, we talked about it a little earlier. I I don't know that the game was. I didn't think the game was poorly officiated. I just it, I, it was just it's just rough. I, yeah, I don't and I don't know that they if they hadn't called more fouls, it might have gotten out of control. Here's my here's my point about this. When you, I will give credit to the referees for this last night. The definition of a foul was consistent the whole game. And yeah, sometimes in college basketball, you get in a game where first half they'll let everything go, and the second half they'll tighten it up. Call every, yeah. This one, they were calling a lot of fouls early, and at least it was consistent because you, that's what I can give them credit for. Now, is it a pain to sit through a basketball game that has 60 yeah, fouls? It is. Absolutely. But I do think they at least did that. And, and like Pearl said after the game, he was like, look, they couldn't help but foul. We were getting climbed on every time we put the ball in the paint. And so, like, they had to call those fouls. But, yeah, it was, it was, it was, a, it was a real grind. And I know, I know Doug, I know Doug Shaw's got a lot of camera time last night. And, and you know, it's one of those things where I don't think it's great when you know a referee by no. name, but the SEC's got quite a few of them that, that, that are on the circuit. Unfair, but you know, I thought of today was the, remember the old Utah Jazz. They got accused of being dirty, but I thought they were kind of played hard. I thought that they, the Detroit, Detroit Pistons are dirty. They weren't dirty. The, no, Utah yeah, the Pistons were. were. Yeah, the Pistons absolutely. Yeah, the bad, the bad boy Pistons yeah. definitely. So I just thought that was kind of funny. and Justice, you were there last night. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard there was a lot of chirping from Alabama players going on. So I know the the big center, the drill talk. I can't remember Nelson. Yeah. Yeah, just chirping at the jungle, which was a mistake. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, both 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 teams have got guys that'll uh, that'll bark a little. Yeah, yeah. I think Auburn was getting it. One of the things happened early in the game. There was the um, the play where early where uh, Chad drove and had that no look assist to Katie in the corner. He hits Katie hits a three right in front of the Alabama bench. And Katie turned around and let everybody down the bench know about know that he was there, and so there was a lot of that kind of early on. It, you know, this team—I'll say this for this Auburn team—they'll chirp. 
They will chirp. They will they will they will go at it. And and Bruce has tried to make sure they calm it down a little bit to the point where they're not getting texts. They had a little run there the earlier yeah, in the did. year where they were getting some texts. But uh cooler heads prevailed, I think, on when Nelson was really getting after uh, you know, Chad that, and that that, that went back. Gotten and forth. Ugly. That one could have gotten real ugly. But uh, you know, yeah, this it, it was rivalry basketball for sure. Um these two yeah. teams I think there's a respect between the coaches, coaching coaches and the coaching staff for how good their teams are and what they've built. But I think the players themselves, I mean, they know how much this game means to a lot of people around here. And hey, Auburn had lost the last three. Yeah, you know, right? exactly. Yep. And they got dominated. Mm-hmm. Quite honestly, uh, not only by on the score, but physically, they got oh they yeah got pushed around. No question. So appreciate it, guys. Have a good All day. right, Terry. Thanks for the call. Quarter after five, we will get to our first break here of hour number two. Love for you to join in on the Thursday Drive. My joints aren't what they used to be. Routine exercise. Or 321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive. 19 minutes after 5 o'clock here on this Thursday afternoon. Bill, Coach Don Dunn, Justin Ferguson in the studio with Drew at the controls. Uh, said we'd, we'd get to some other things. I mean, obviously your calls come first. We don't have any calls right now. Justin, wanted to get your thoughts. I'd asked you this a little earlier off the air. Uh, you've had the opportunity to, to actually meet and, uh, and, and spend a little time, talk with Auburn's new defensive yeah. line coach, Montreal King Williams. Yeah, I think it's a great move for Auburn. I think it's all about continuity. Um, you know, he is a he was Jerry McGarris right hand guy. Um, you go to any practice, you see anything going on with the defensive line, he was right there with them. Uh, and so to promote him, you know, uh, to replace Jeremy Garrett, who's now at the NFL level, I think is it's a great move. It's a smart move. This is a guy who's coached for Freeze in the past. He knows this team. He knows his staff. He knows the system. He knows all everything Auburn's trying to build. It's a great move for sure, um, and I think when you look at when you look at uh, at it from Auburn's perspective, like you have a pretty good defensive line class in twenty twenty five, right? That, that you that already he's had something to do. Yeah, with. you're already building that, and you want to keep that in in the boat. Um, and so you know, having him, I think, will be a great move. And you know, for the guys that they bring back this year, the guys that they brought in this year as well on the defensive line. You think about the transfers and the newcomers. You know, when Jeremy Garrett pops back to the NFL that's a that can be something that kind of takes you back if you just signed up for this right whether as a recruit or as a guy who's already signed and I think they I think they did a really good job by just keeping it in-house uh, and going with him and I think we were talking about this earlier the amount of experience around him on that mm-hmm. defensive staff I think is a, is it, it will four, be helpful all four of the other defensive coaches have been coordinators yeah that's crazy to think about yeah yeah, I mean it's it's a lot of experience on that on that, on that staff. The shuffling that we've heard with Alders going to edges and and DJ Durkin playing box, you know, going with box linebackers. I think that's a good move as well. You look at Josh Aldridge, his background is defensive line and on the edge. Sure. Um so I mean I think and then obviously Durkin, I think if you if you're going to have a defensive coordinator and he's he's been a box linebacker guy for most of his career. You, your defense coordinator being in charge of the guys who were the quarterbacks of the defense, I think, is a, is a pretty good move. So all that shuffling around, I think, is going to makes a lot of sense, especially for that defense front. That group's going to have a lot of questions because the players and the pieces and what they lost next year. But I do like the alignment of those mm-hmm. guys in that room now, um, and especially it falls right in line with what Hugh Freeze has talked to us about. You know, he said it last week we were in Mobile, and it's just kind of been the theme of this whole offseason is just everybody be on the same page. You know, every you know the communication, the clarity, and all that. 
and I think promoting a guy like Vontrell from within is, is another sign of that. Yeah, and, and uh, it's not as though he doesn't have some experience. I mean, he yeah. was the defensive line coach for two years at Eastern Michigan before yeah. he uh, left to come be an analyst and, here at Auburn last year. And his defensive line at, Mich- at Eastern Michigan was nasty. Uh, they had some they had some really, really good numbers, uh, especially that second season he had there. So, I mean, he's got a, he's got a really impressive resume for a guy who is, who is a younger coach. Uh, and uh, we, we were talking about it earlier. It's always good to see younger coaches getting these opportunities to kind of work their way up and, and you know put in put, pay their dues and, and get rewarded for it and I think anybody who saw anything that Auburn's defensive line did whether it was their play uh you know the the meetings the practices the recruiting he was a key part of that right next to Jeremy Garrett and it makes a ton of sense why they would just want to keep keep that going yeah I know Don Don was saying you know he hadn't had a chance to uh to meet him yet but but really likes the opportunity for somebody to work their way up the way he has yeah, uh, we talked about it yesterday. Uh, he's hungry. He's paid his dues, and he ha- he's coasted some places that doesn't have the re- resources that we have here. And I think Coach Freeze was very smart in keeping him because he knows him, and he knows what he wants, and, and this young man knows what Coach wants. And plus the players know him and the recruits. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a great hire. And I, like I said, I don't know the guy, but I want to meet him. <laughs> uh, Justin, we were also talking yesterday. I mean, uh, Hugh Freeze is uh, – uh, I mean, you look and he's done a pretty good job of targeting young yep. young coaches. I mean, especially they're up front, young defensive line coaches. Yeah, I mean, it falls in line with what he's done over the years. And I, and I think that's a great trait for a coach to have, for a head coach to have to prioritize, like – giving these guys chances and, and let them work their way up. I think of the number – like, you know, that was the whole thing like when the Saban era, <clears throat> you know, Nick Saban always had – you know, it was the whole thing of they, anybody gets fired, it's like, well, they're going to go join the Alabama staff. And they had a lot of those guys come through. But, I mean, how many guys that came out from – out of nowhere, nowhere. off or, the or, radar right. and became, you know, position – you know, analyst to position coach to coordinate to end up being head coaches. I mean, at one point in time – the nobody in the world knew who Dan Lanning was. Like at one point, like, you yeah. know, Glenn Schumann. Like there were guys like that, and I think that's a I think that's a really good sign. Whenever you can do that, and a lot of great coaches have done that. I look at the NFL as well. I mean, how many of those system guys have we seen? Where you know, um, like everybody who's been in the in the in the tree uh, from that San Francisco staff. Like you know, it's just it's really good to have development. It's people love having big name guys. Obviously, the Charles Kelly hire was huge, uh, and it's good to have those guys like mm-hmm. that. You know these established names Derek Nix stuff like that but I do think you know there's a lot of value in getting you know turning turning some of these up-and-coming guys loose uh at a place like Auburn is I think it's a good balance I I really like the combination of proven coaching and recruiting I mean that's one of the things no question Hugh Freeze is prioritizing recruiting you've got to get the the talent uh to to be able to compete at the upper level of this league and and uh I, I look at this staff and not that there were detriments or anything last year, but I think Auburn's really upgraded in in uh, in overall the the recruiting from each of the assistant coaches that uh, Hugh Freeze has now. Yeah, recruiting's obviously a priority, and I mean, you get a top ten class your first year. You're talking about wanting to get a top five class your second year. I mean, it's it is going to be the lifeblood of this rebuild now. I think Freeze will be the first one to tell you, and he has said that, has said this, you know, Auburn probably should have been better on the field than they were in 2023. They're going to have to be better in 2024. You're going to have to start proof of concept, show show what mm-hmm. you got going. But 
the lifeblood of the rebuild is going to be recruiting and doing it through the high school ranks. Like you may you may miss out on some of the instant gratification of getting transfers and cycling transfers through and and, and you know kind of max out year after year. But this game is also a lot about getting your guys, developing your guys, and you know having them having them lead you lead the way and just keeping that keeping that train moving. And I think that's a it's a really good sign. Like yeah, if you're Ole Miss. For example, you can win a lot of games with doing what Lane Kiffin's doing, and it, it, it works for some schools. But I think Auburn, they look at Georgia and they look at Alabama and they look at you know other schools across the country and say we want to be more like them. And so to do that, you need to you need to recruit at a high level year in and year out. It's it's tough to uh, to count on um, somebody who's who's not at your place for the you know in the yeah. future it's like having somebody that might be here great you've got somebody in for this year and now you'll have to find somebody else to plug in next especially year. The line if of you're scrimmage. not bringing high schoolers in to to, to be mm-hmm. you know trying to build up and be able to step in yeah especially the line of scrimmage I, I just i mean i think about how the great offensive lines we've seen at auburn you know in my lifetime that i can think of how many of those guys were guys who had been playing with each other next to each other for three, four, five years and like how that helped out a ton. Uh, and, and, you know, Auburn did as best as they could last year trying to piece together an offensive well, they line. Improved. And I they mean, definitely it. improved. But you, when you see them getting the Dre Carters and the, um, you know, the, you know, the guys that, that played last year, some of the younger guys who played last year, that's what they want to do moving forward. And why not? You know, you want to, you want to be able to say in a few years, Hey, the guy next to me is. We've been playing with each other for three or four years, and like we know, offensive line that's so huge because it's the one position group where if one guy screws up, everybody looks bad, and yeah. like so you got to be playing all on the same page, and and I think that's a really good, really good time. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I think you can go out and find a receiver, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a skill guy, but it is so important that continuity of getting those young guys in, watching them grow, watching them develop, work together. And they just get better and better. And we were fortunate when I was here, Bill. We had five-year guys yeah. on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. And uh, every once in a while, you're going to have to go out and get somebody. I realize things have changed like we talked yeah. about. But, uh, yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, I think they, I think they've done a great job, and they got to just keep doing what we're doing. Yeah. And, again, I'm so happy for this hire. <laughs> I'm excited, as you can tell. I'm, I'm anxious to watch this young man because he is going to be hungry, I'm telling you. Because I've been in some of them places, you know, like the Western Kentuckys and the bus rides and the Montana lucky. States. Oh, my goodness. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a great, great opportunity. Uh, well, Justin, though, I, I do think that Auburn will be definitely scouring the, the, uh, the transfer portal with their new GM and mm-hmm. as they look for a little more help there on the defensive front. Yeah, it's, uh, there's, a, there's a reorganization going on behind the scenes right now with Auburn in terms of their roster management, talent mm-hmm. acquisition, um, scouting, all that. They're they're retooling that whole uh, department. Uh, and uh, I think it's just trying to modernize it with what the best of the best are doing. And it is crazy. When we asked uh, – I think it was Ainsley at AL.com asked Freeze about this last week when we were in Mobile, and he was like, <laughs> she was like, how crazy is it that you have to have a GM now in college football? And he's like, it's, it's a new world, but – in order to manage the portal, manage your staff, manage the counts and all that, you for him have to be that. able to do what he wants to wants yeah. to do, but he was doing what he had to do last yeah. year. I, I mean, I was talking to somebody the other day about 
the guy who was he was the GM at Ole Miss. Um, he's at LSU now, right? Yeah, he's at LSU now. But how much money he was making at Ole Miss just to run that show? And you know, obviously, there's a lot of transfer. You know, they, they're transfer heavy. But it was just like that is a that is a brand new job that five ten years ago just didn't exist. And um, but it seems like Auburn is trying to reorganize and get all that going behind the scenes because yeah, you again, don't want to get behind. You don't want to get behind, especially if you want to be one of those teams like Freeze says if. Recruit at a top five level and, and do that year in and year out and try to get you get you back to being a team that can look at a look at a Georgia or whatever Alabama is on the other side of this and say we can swing even with you and that's that that's what it's going to take. Very yeah, it, it very interesting times. Things are changing. We've got our regular Tiger Takes segment coming up with Dylan Cardwell on the other side. Stick with us for the final half hour here on the Thursday Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Thursday afternoon. We are efforting uh, Dylan Cardwell uh, to see if we can uh, spend some time with him. I don't know what the practice scheduled time was for today. Uh, this afternoon. They, they, they've probably, they should be they, done, usually. Done, but, uh, maybe they close. might still be practicing right now yeah. or just wrapping up. Um, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, we hopefully we'll be able to uh, catch up with Dylan. Uh, we're very fortunate that the uh, that last week Jacob Goins uh, on the line was uh, able to spend some time with him when we had that on Friday. So hopefully we'll get him today. But uh, I'm I'm sure I'm sure he wouldn't mind talking about last night <laughs> and and Auburn's 99-81 win over Alabama. Oh, it's a three way tie now at the top. Really, I feel like it's four way tie. I mean Tennessee and Vandy have haven't played. That would be the tenth game, and Tennessee's going to beat Vandy. So, uh, I mean, Tennessee's seven and two, while Auburn, Alabama, and South Carolina are eight and two, and you've got a two-game span back to the next team in the SEC. And Florida's one of those at five and four, um, six. And, are, they, are they six? And, yeah, they're six and four. Mm-hmm. Um, as as the Tigers get ready to go down to Gainesville, so I mean, um, it's it's. A very difficult stretch, but everybody in the SEC is faced with some challenges here the remainder of the way. And, uh, I mean, Justin, I mean, at 8-2, and two, we were, we've been talking about it for the last week or so. Just what's the number that's probably going to get you an, an, at least a share of the SEC title? And I think you're going to need to win at least 14. I think you're probably going to need to win 14. Yeah, this is this is probably going to be fourteen and four, um, and you're probably going to have co-champs. Yes, and the SEC does not officially recognize tiebreakers, so um, you know, just get to that number. And I think in the case, you know, Auburn and Alabama obviously tie. You know, they both they both split, so that would make sense. Sure. Um, there was that year where Auburn and Tennessee finished tied, and Auburn beat Tennessee their only matchup, and Tennessee still got to claim it. But you know, I think there could be. I mean. Ken Palm, T Rank, a lot of these places have Auburn at Auburn, uh, Tennessee, and uh, Alabama all at fourteen and four. When it's all said and done, that would be pretty wild finish. But I think that's what it's going to have to take. And we talked about it earlier. 
four and zero at home, two and two on the road. You should get in the mix with that. Yes. Um, and even if like say you drop because you got to play some tough teams at home. Um, say you drop one of those, you can you know maybe go three and one on each. You could still still be in the mix. So. Auburn's in a pretty good spot. The win last night did so much. Well, they had to have you it. had to have it. Had to have it. And uh, I was talking to somebody before the game about the matchup, and and I made the comment that during practice in the week and just hearing, hearing from guys and talking to folks, it wasn't quite the level of the Tennessee game last year where it was like, if we do not win this game, we might not make the NCAA tournament, so we better win this game right. or, or else. It wasn't quite that level, but it's pretty daggum close. I'll be honest with you. Well, like, I mean, it's it's you know, like we said a while ago. Alabama had won the last three. They they'd swept Auburn last year. They're looking for their third sweep over Auburn in the last four years. I mean, it's like got to stop that. And I mean, and it's not as though um, you know Auburn wasn't competitive in some of those games. Auburn, you know, kicking themselves after digging that fourteen point hole up in Tuscaloosa. I mean. They, you know, they felt like if they had done what they did in the second half, they win the ball game. So what did they do? They went out and did what they did in the second half up in Tuscaloosa, except they did it better. Yeah, I, I, I'm so impressed with this team's ability to turn it on on offense and still have that kind of defensive defensibility over and over and over again. Like they do a really good job of just doing their job. You know, this, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. This, this is the best half court offense I've ever seen a Bruce Pearl team have at Auburn. Yeah, and last year they played the they had to play a slower pace by necessity, and it was just this grinded out kind yeah. of style. But it comes back to the fact that you have two big men yep. that, that you can rely on. Um, they don't have to play run and gun, and it's kind of funny. Like Auburn, they can Auburn but they don't was have to. never Auburn was never quite to the level that Alabama is right now of just run and chuck. No. and like and Alabama's really good at it. Like I, like, I don't want to say that condescendingly because when it's good it is it is as good as you can get in college basketball but um you know layups and free throw layups and threes at fast pace is what they want more than anything Mm -hmm. else um but yeah i mean this is a you think about it the final four team was a small ball team the year before that they were a small ball team i mean you started seeing with the jabari and walker year where they started you know kind of beefing up their front court and i think it's just it's just a way of bruce pearl kind of zigging where other people zag I, i think that's just the way he operates as a head coach because he knows at Auburn he's not going to recruit like Kentucky. He's not going to get the Duke and North, maybe not North Carolina, Duke or Kansas classes where you just get, hey, we'll just go get two or but three he, five stars every year. But, but he's getting better talent than Auburn's ever gotten consistently and, and, in history. And I think he's doing that by just kind of just staying ahead of the curve. You know, people don't value small point guards. Well, he'll go get them and win with them. You know, teams are going away from, you know, these, these big men and these interior focused offenses. Let's go. Uh, you know, let's build around that and try to hammer at the fact that teams are going smaller and and and, and faster this year. So, or nowadays, and I just think it, it, it's a really good way to 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 build a program and keep it fresh. Um, you know, they just keep going back and forth. It's just a reinvention year in and year out. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. That's the drive hotline sponsored by Skybar. We'll get back to it. And Alan is up next. Hey, Alan. Hey guys, uh, is Coach still in? Yes, I'm in? here. Okay, I've uh, got time for a quick uh, coaching comment here. Uh, Bill, who was your your normal in-studio guest on Monday? I can't remember his Brian name. Brian Matthews. Brian. Okay, Brian said he had an opinion that just stunned me on, on Monday. And it was his opinion, but I take it as an informed opinion. Uh, he said that the outgoing defensive coordinator uh, – 
in his opinion, really didn't value the, the edge rusher position as much as maybe the newest one did. And I, I was just kind of stunned. I mean, that's, that's like the premier position in pro football on defense, that and the shutdown corner. I th- so, yeah, well, I, and and I, as a matter of fact, I asked Brian about that um, after okay. after he commented. He said um, he he just didn't feel that uh, that uh, Philip uh, that excuse me Ron Roberts um, felt like Auburn needed more bodies that they had enough there at the, mm. at the defensive end position. I think that was what he was more talking about that that Auburn had enough and they didn't need more. They were thin oh. there. Yes. Because, I mean, it, we've seen in Auburn on, on offense where a, in recent history where coaches just ignore a, a premier position tight end unless it's an emergency situation. That's when they use the tight end. And, you know, when you see on Sundays, the tight end is just, like, everywhere. Um, but I, that, that just floored me. You know, maybe, maybe, that, maybe he just meant we had enough there that he didn't want to go out and get more. But, I mean, I, I hope they don't um, – Kind of forget no, I, about that position. No, I don't think so. That the 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 edge rusher is. I mean, it is such a valuable position. Those are. I mean, it's like it's like left tackle. It's like I mean, I've there all, just aren't that many of I've them. Done. I've always thought it's the second most important position behind quarterback. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it I agree. Is. I mean, to, to, to devalue it, it just seems um, just incomprehensible but I, I hope that wasn't the case no I, 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 I think I think it may have more been just expecting or, or you know hoping that Jalen McLeod was going to be able to stay healthy because you know Auburn really missed when he wasn't able to play yeah yeah Alan you're exactly right as a former coach like uh, we were talking the quarterback is your main guy then I think your defensive line especially your your rush guy your edge rusher whatever you want to call him and then I've, I'm an old-school tight end guy. I'm like you. I love yeah. a good tight end. I like to even get two tight ends in there. And oh, yeah. You don't have to have them on the line of scrimmage. You can nope. spread them out. But, yeah, you're exactly right, Alan. The edge rusher to me, and, again, I'm partial because I'm an old D-line you got to get after the quarterback these days. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. no always doubt. have, but even more now. Oh, yeah, no question. Okay. All right. I just, I just, I just kind of didn't sit well with me, but <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad that wasn't the case. All right, thanks. No, appreciate the call, Alan. Yeah, and, and yeah, I'm with you there with tight ends. I look at the the way the modern game's gone and just how many matchup nightmare, nightmares you want to have out there. I and, mean, and look look at Hugh Freeze. I mean, Hugh mm-hmm. Freeze and this staff. I mean, they're they're going out. They've got two commitments from tight ends yes. already for next year. Yep. Yes. And, I mean, of course they're going to mm-hmm. lose. They're going to lose four guys that run out of eligibility. And, this and you year. bring back Valdo, who was who was very much your your key guy last year. I just uh, I mean. <laughs> there's just so much of it where you look at it. And I know these guys aren't quote unquote like the normal tight ends. They don't always have their hand in the dirt, but you look at the Georgia game and, and you lose that game because you can't cover Brock Bowers because who could cover Brock Bowers? Nobody. You know, right. Um, right. I, I watch the NFL, you know, this, this weekend, the Super Bowl, you get Travis Kelsey and George Kittle, probably the two best of the best in the game at their position. They're mm-hmm. going up. Going coincidentally, up. their teams are playing. That's yeah, right. exactly. I mean, they just, they, they value it. And, and, and freezes background with a guy like Evan Ingram. Yeah, does Evan Ingram, much like Rivaldo Fairweather, play wide receiver as much as he plays a real tight end position? Yeah, but that's just when you get those big guys who could who are hard to hang with over Mismatch. the middle of the field, it's yeah. just, you know, it's just simple manipulation of uh of matchups and that's that's what you need more of. 
for now, sure. Now, as as far as the edge position is concerned, I mean Auburn's not extremely deep there right now as we head into spring. No, you, you do you do bring back Jalen, which is huge, and I think a fully healthy year of Jalen McLeod could be really good for Auburn. Um, I do like Jamonte Waller and his kind of potential there. It'll be interesting to see what else they do. Um, Brenton Williams was kind of coming on there. Yeah, lately. I guess he's the other guy that we yeah. know of is going to be a, uh, out there. Wouldn't be surprised if you see some guys kind of move around and play some other spots. Joe Phillips is probably yeah, going to start. talk about him. Yeah, Joe Phillips is probably going to start out as a box linebacker, but they can move him around. I thought if Cam Riley would have stayed around, he was going to be an edge guy this year, but that's another position group where I think the second portal window, if you can go find an Elijah McAllister type, if you can go find somebody, or if you can go find somebody with multiple years of eligibility remaining, and kind of develop them. You're good for right now, I think, with Jalen if he right. stays healthy. And I think Jamonte Waller is one of those guys you want to turn loose early. Um, but you know, you you don't want to you don't want to be thin there because if somebody goes down, we saw this last year with Auburn in, in some key spots where it's just like. You know, you get to a point where one guy goes down, and you're like, "What are we going to do for the rest of the year at that?" And you need mm-hmm. to have that depth. And yeah, edge rusher. I mean, sec- I I still think, like I said, it's the second most important position in football because if because if quarterbacks the key to key to success in, in football, finding ways to affect the other team's quarterbacks is a big one. And uh, you know, he mentioned shut down corners. It's like I don't know how. I mean. I, I never played football, but I've watched a ton of it and wrote about it a lot. But like, I don't know how cornerbacks play. Like that seems like the hardest job in the world because they know yeah. where they're going and you don't, and you have to you have to be, you be doing it backwards. You have to be do it. It's, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. it's, it, it's tough. <laughs> so find the guys that find the guys that it's it, instead of just saying, "Well, we're going to make it hard for them those guys to get open." Well, that's easier said than done. Um, it's it's better to say, "Hey, we're going to send a guy that's going to go right to your grill I mean, and, and make it tough for you to throw the ball." And think about it. I mean, Alabama, Nick Saban had great corners, but he also relied on them. They could they could play bump they could play it press they could mm. play as tight as possible because he counted on you're not going to be able to throw the ball 30 yards downfield because your quarterback's going to be on the ground before you get a chance to do that yeah, yeah. yes it's just it's just the the, the cycle they had of, of guy and they i mean he's got he had will anderson last year who's going to go who went well, will anderson went third in the draft was mm-hmm. defensive rookie of the year um dallas turner's probably gonna go top five top ten this year i mean it's just you got to have that kind of cycle of those guys, and it's it's so it's so important. All right. So, how difficult would it be though to uh, to bring in an experienced guy out there on the edge? I mean, I just wonder. It because- would have to be a guy who wanted to play a role in a bigger. Uh-huh. You'd have to find an Elijah McAllister. You'd right. have to find a Stephen Singh's ended up playing more defensive end at Auburn, but it would have to be like one of those guys or. Mm-hmm. You find a guy that you're just trying to backfill a little bit, and guy goes in the portal and is like, "Hey, he's got a few more years eligibility left. We can develop him. We think he can be a piece right now, but maybe he can. If all things go well, he can end up really helping us down the road. I think you can go one of those two directions because depth, I think, is more important. Like if you have McLeod, you're going to have a pretty good. You got McLeod for now, and you've got Waller. You think for the future, sure. So. And I and I look at the rest of that defensive front, and you've got. You know, you got a Morris Williams, um, you know, Keldrick Falk. Like, you're going to be able to get after some folks with your interior guys, which is key. But yeah, you're going to want those, you're going to want those edge guys to jump up and and make the make those plays as well. Right. So they they brought in Trill Carter and Gage Keys. Yep, both um, both big dudes, very mm-hmm. big dudes. So I mean, do they need more of another? Uh, 
defensive end, true defensive end, probably, or a defensive tackle? Kind yeah, of guy? they they could probably use another one. Um, Zeke Walker's still around, mm-hmm. and I think Zeke's one. Of, and he he came on pretty pretty well the last yeah, few games. Um, I think he's one of those guys you can kind of line up and play everywhere. Very interesting to see where Keldrick Falk goes. I think his scheme's going to look a little different, but I mean, he's I mean, dude was pushing near three hundred last year and still still being a game record. Yeah, I think they listed him at two eighty eight for the ball. Yeah, he's a he, he's a big guy. He's a big old dude, and he can yeah. and he can only get six six two eighty eight as yep. as an eighteen year old. Don. That's unbelievable. <laughs> and they found him in Highland Home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which has which has two of the top edge prospects in the country. Yes, his little his brother 85. and his other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's uh, unbelievable. I've been there. Oh. You got to be looking for you, it. You're absolutely right. You got to be looking <laughs> hey, for it, or you'll hey, be through it. Hey, yeah. I mean, going going to school in 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 South Alabama. I mean, you know, Bill, you're from that neck. It was like yeah. it used to be like no one. Yeah, SEC caliber came through that area of the state, and now I mean, it's they're getting to look. When I look at Alvin Henderson, when I look at what you know Auburn had, you know Fat Burnett, like Elba and Andalusia, those are two teams we played every year in, yeah. in high school, and then um, you know, uh, one of the best. A couple, a couple of really good SEC prospects, including a really good linebacker, is coming out of Enterprise. Like yep. you know, that is an area of the state that is like it, when, when we talk about how much talent is in the state of Alabama and in, in, in football these days, and how it's getting better and better each year. Mobile's always going to have it. Birmingham's always going to yeah, have it. F- folks Mobile's- used to call it like the weeds of the wiregrass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. you <laughs> don't really get a lot of those guys, but you know, some of the best players are coming out from down there. That's, I mean, when I was in high school, that was just not the case at all. Like the best high school players around me would go to. Like play it like Troy, like mm-hmm. and no knock on Troy, but right. like it was just they yeah, weren't SEC that's caliber exactly guys. Right. Yeah, yeah, yes. for, yeah. For me, it was it was either it was either Troy or Southern Miss. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep, yep, that's yep. true. Wow. All right, we, we'll get to our wow. final break of the afternoon. We'll get uh, Justin's thoughts on yeah, there is a Super Bowl coming up on yeah. Sunday. We'll get his thoughts on that. Still time for you to join in if you'd like three three four three two one thirteen ninety as we wind it down here on the Thursday Drive. Inspired by the bold bison, Southern Union student.